Welcome to Churches Cancelled. I'm your co-host, Brett, and this week I'm joined by my co-host, Rob Bell. That's right. Uh, I'm Brown Rob Bell. Um, okay. He cannot challenge me for calling myself Brown Rob Bell. So. No, I, yeah. uh, I don't think he can. Nope. Brown Rob Bell, also known as Danny, who I'll, I'll right. be referring to throughout the podcast. That's my, uh, is my, that's my real name. Because so. that is his real name. Yeah. So church is canceled. That's uh, that's what you're listening to right now. We like to discuss uh, the biggest church scandals in the history of the modern day church. Uh, also, just uh, discussed uh, the topic of church culture and speculations. Uh, this week, this is a topic week. Uh, right. But before we jump into our topic of deconstruction, yeah, <laughs> a topic Danny loves. Uh, we are going to we're going to get into our uh, segment, church cliches. Uh, this segment, church cliches, brought to you by our sponsor, Fountainhead Coffee. Fountainhead Coffee, the only coffee company that thinks no one else should be able to tell you what to do with your life. You can go to fountainheadcoffee.com and use the code Church. That's C H U R C H for ten percent off your order. And if you don't know how to spell church, that's probably because you go to a someplace called blah, 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 faith community. And it sounds like a golf course. That is probably true. So, uh, Danny, we're talking about deconstruction this week. Right. Now, we should define deconstruction. Uh, we're not what, talking about... What was your cliche of the week? Oh, <laughs> my cliche of the week brought to you by Fountainhead Coffee. The only coffee company that uh, doesn't think anyone should be able to tell you what to do with your life. Also fresh roasted. They don't roast it until after you order it. Did you know that? Some good That's shit. awesome. I have it. Our, I, I have some. That's, it's good. It's good stuff. Our, uh, our cliche of the week, our church cliche of the week is Daddy God. <laughs> Daddy it. God. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> so before we, uh, we get started, I just want to open up in prayer. And I want to pray Stop to it. my Daddy God. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I want to pray a hedge of protection from my daddy God. No. Over. No. You want the daddy God to send us a hedge of protection, not from God. Oops. Yeah. That's awful. Daddy God is the. Listen, do I think if you pray, daddy God, you're reaching Jesus or God? Yes. I'm sure do you I, are. Do I think you're like the last? I think that anybody who prays, daddy God, we all line up to get into heaven. Anybody who prays Daddy God is at the back of the line. Okay. <laughs> You're at the, back. at the back. Yeah. It's just going to be all youth pastors with affliction t-shirts in the back when we get up there. <laughs> it, uh, it just makes me, it makes me uncomfortable and yes. slightly aroused uh, simply because <laughs> of the other uh, <laughs> sinful experiences I've had uh, before I was a good Christian. Right. Uh, so so the, the, in church, we talk about not causing your brother to stumble and mm -hmm. I might have been a horn dog, so maybe don't say that because you know stumbling all over the daddy god prayers. That's right. Oh, uh, so I apologize. I was so excited to get into our topic this week of deconstruction that I almost missed out on our segment there. Yeah. Uh, but I think that we should we should define deconstruction. Okay. So for those of you who may not know what it is, uh, I guess we can both give a definition. You go first. I, uh, so has nothing to do with buildings or infrastructure, except maybe in a spiritual level, maybe the infrastructure of your faith. Huh. Yeah. So what what we're talking about when we talk about deconstruction? Uh, here's my here's my definition, Danny. I think it's when we think critically about the. Absolute statements that we make about God, and we try to peel away the layers, uh, the layers of doctrine, in order to understand the naked truth of God. I just want to see God naked. That's all I'm really trying to do here. <laughs> Man, Daddy God naked. <laughs> it's a it's a steamy one today. I would say that deconstruction is peeling away the layers of crud until you get to the real thing. Um, 
And I would say that, uh, you know, in our show notes, I, I said the deconstruction is uh, <clears throat> equated with quitting the faith, but it's closer to making your faith your own, like every youth pastor told you to do when, did, you, yeah. were, when you were in youth group. I, mm. I never went to a youth group, so I wouldn't know, but I'm just saying every youth pastor. You did. You just went. We know why you went. Well, no, no I didn't <laughs> go to youth group. I, but the church that I went to didn't have one. Oh. Yeah. The church I was I grew up going to you went when you were an adult, you started going to youth to like young adults. Yeah. Yeah, I started going when I was (laughs) yeah. I was declined to be a youth leader uh several Ah, times. So how strange. Yeah, that was odd. And then the the guy who ended up doing it became a youth pastor and then got fired for texting teenage girls from two from two churches. Not one, Mm. but two churches. So um, but I, I think that. Uh, the the reason there is a sometimes negative perception of deconstruction is because it's simply viewed as um, I'm quitting the faith or my faith now exists as all God in you know, all roads lead to God kind of, you know, the reason I, you know, use the name Rob Bell to log in today was because to me, he's kind of the prince of poor deconstruction, right? Um but anyways, continue. I know you have a lot of thoughts and feelings. So, uh, well, I actually was. I mean, we we didn't do this episode to talk about Rob Bell, but I'd be interested to know why you said he's the prince of poor deconstruction. You don't think he's very good at it, or he's just too simplified? No, I. The reason I would say he's poor at it is because um, he attacked. I think in some ways the correct. You know, there was sincere issues that you know the church has to overcome or think about sincerely and then the reason i say he's poor at it is because the way he talks about it now i don't know what's in his heart i'm just saying the way he talks about it infuriates me okay he talks in circles if i wanted to be jewish i would just convert to judaism okay he talks in circles asking questions that never answer themselves and it's just the circular thing of like I and here's the thing. I think that if you want to say a controversial statement, I do it all the time. Just say a controversial statement. Say I think you can believe anything and you go to heaven. I'm like Love Wins was this uh, multi-chapter, hundred of page, hundreds of pages preamble to say that yeah, we're all going. You could have said yeah. that in a pamphlet or a tweet, and you put out a whole book and enriched yourself with it. Well, that's you know. the point. Come on. Yeah, I know that's that is the point. But I'm just saying. That's why I think he's a prince of poor deconstruction because I just, if we're going to do something or if we're going to say something is good or bad, just say it. You know, there's that Bible verse about being lukewarm. Just do one or the other. Okay. Can you just pick, just do one or the other. Right? Sure. So be, be more uh, decisive That's about all. your deconstruction is what you would like of folks. And, but if we're peeling away the layers of doctrine, and we're trying to get rid of the thing of these absolute statements that are being made about God. Won't we end up in a place that's less absolute? Isn't that by kind of by definition what we're trying to get to? That, that might are be. we going to have more questions than answers? Yes, I agree with that. Um, however, it to be honest, it, it 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 is more. My beef with him is so much more stylistic than it is substantive. Okay. Because I, I listen, first of all, I don't care about his books or podcasts or whatever. Whatever he's doing, God bless, keep doing it. I don't actually care. But I'm, I'm just saying that his style of doing it infuriates me. And it just, it's not who I am as a person. So I can't really connect with it. And the people who do connect with it and do talk about it in the way that he kind of, and they mirror his language, I also yeah. dislike those people. Like I can't, I can't stand them. Right. Listen, you know, this is now going back. This is episode seven. We're going back all the way to episode two. Mm -hmm. But we put out a short where we were I was talking about how much I hated the podcast about Mars Hill. Yeah, because of the guy. That guy seems like he's a Rob Bell guy. Yeah, it's a stylistic thing. And I'm too much of a libertarian to tell anyone else how to live or how to act or how to be a person. But that's just not who I am, and so I find it distasteful. And there's a part of me that uh, it feels, it might not be, but it feels eh, a little disrespectful. There's something about it that doesn't feel like you're honoring this thing the way you should honor this thing of ours, right? 
Okay, so you don't like the style yeah, of uh, of people who deconstruct and go in circles with their questions and they never come up with answers. Right. Let's talk about we we defined deconstruction and what it is. People peeling away the layers of faith, trying to get rid of the things that don't make sense, things that are confusing, the contradictions. Is it happening more now than ever before? Some people seem to think that. Is I don't it a think good that. thing? Is it a bad thing? You know, so you don't think it's happening now more than ever before? No, I, okay, I'm going to say something that's a little more cultural, but I think that um, the, the evangelical church, as we understand it in America, is a relatively young institution. And its traditions are younger traditions. These are pretty new in the context of church history. So Bible tells us nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. We're just, listen, we're just uh, uh, evangelicals and you know people who are really mainline evangelical. Um, they just rehash somebody else's old ideas. They re- we're not they re- evangelicals. No, we're are we? not. I, I don't think so. I'm not. I would say I'm post-evangelical, whatever that means. We, I guess we. it's good to point that out. We've talked in the past couple episodes about evangelicalism almost as if we're including ourselves in that conversation. We don't identify as being on, on that particular uh, squad of the larger team. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I would say that I'm not, but do I attend a church that would be widely regarded as evangelical probably. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think it was our, maybe uh, two episodes ago, we talked about um, race and culture and I said, or politics and church, I can't remember which one. And I said something along the lines of, if I have to choose between like a evangelical church full of Republicans or a church where everyone's like in a deconstruction, a stage of deconstruction, or it's perpetually deconstructing full of liberals, <laughs> I'm picking the, the, picking the four, I'm picking the first thing. So that's that has nothing to do with my theology and has everything to do with practical living. So I wouldn't say I'm an evangelical, but I'm the, the, in the course of doing this podcast, I've become more and more sympathetic to them, which is hmm. odd. Yeah, that is that is strange how that's been happening. Maybe you're a deconstructing evangelical, Danny. Maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> I think uh, I guess I would agree with you. I don't think it's happening now more than I would, before. Listen, I would rather zip my dick into my fly than ever call myself a deconstructing evangelical. Okay? So, yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah. If I ever zip my dick in my fly, I think I'm uh, deconstructing uh, everything (laughs) after that. What's (laughs) What's the meaning of life? uh, I was saying that I think, I don't think it's happening now more than ever before. I think now we just, we have a name for it. And now yeah. it's like cool. It's kind of a hip thing to do. You've got the emerging or emergent church. I'm not even sure what it's supposed to be called. But uh, those are two different have things. You, you ever been to one of the services, by the way? Uh, of what? An emergent church? Yeah, emergent church. Emergent church is not. Emerging church was like um, like the Driscoll, like uh, Mars Hill, right? They were considered emerging church. Emerging. Yeah, but emergent is. I have been to an emergent church. It's called the porch, or it was called the porch. It was a long time ago. We're talking about maybe a dozen or so years more than that. Um, okay. It was called the porch, or something like that. And then I went to another church, which was Jim, um, not Jim Rickards. That's a, a, con, a, a business guy. Um, Jimmy Swaggart's son, like Tammy, okay. you know, Tammy Faye Baker. So Jim Baker's son. So like Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker have a son who was at one point ha- who had a church in Minneapolis. I did go there and I can't remember if that was the porch or something else. And I just remember going there uh, to one of them and making a joke about porch. I expected more black people. And oh, great. No one laughed. I can and, imagine that. And one of the churches that I went to was one of those, like there's no parking lot, a bunch of people are riding bicycles and like, <laughs> Pixies? Yeah, yeah, probably. And they were super friendly to me, but they wouldn't introduce, like I had to go talk to the white people. They wouldn't talk to me. 
Yeah. And it wasn't like a, it was like we should respect his racial identity. And so, like, some Asian girl was just going around introducing me to all the minorities. Oh, uh, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, and I was, uh, I found that distasteful. And so I didn't, I don't think I ever went back there, but I have gone to one of those services. Pretty dumb. Interesting. Very different uh, structure if, uh, yeah. if you've never been. Um, but yeah, I think it's just that now it's kind of a, a cool thing to do. Uh, maybe these scandals we talk about have something to do with it. You are following a particular church leader and they get caught up in a scandal and you start questioning and saying, what the heck was I even believing? This guy was right. telling me this and that, and I got to follow the rules. Uh, as we're recording this one, our, uh, our Jerry Falwell Jr. episode is now available on uh, YouTube and all of our podcast platforms. So right. perhaps you're a, a, a student at Liberty University and uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., that scandal comes out and you start questioning, well, what the hell, what the hell was I not drinking alcohol for and trying, <laughs> right, trying right, not right. to touch my wee-wee in college while this guy's over here you know, watching the Cuban pool boy go at it. So yeah, I could see how that would lead you to say, hmm, these things I believe, why do I believe them? And I think that's where it starts. Why do I believe what I believe? I think that's those are these are healthy. These are good questions to ask. Right. Um, um, the 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 Bible instructs us to believe or to have faith in God with all of our strength and all of our mind. And if you have doubts in your mind and you don't pursue them in one way or the other, at some point, um, your life is going to deconstruct in the most in the most massive. It's going to explode, right? Um, sometimes you have to prune the tree so the tree can grow. Oh man, you took that right out of a sermon. I did. I did. I did. This is legally a church, by the way. So, I mean, yeah. There, uh, also brings to mind, uh, was it, was it Gideon? Gideon, who, uh, was, who met uh, Christ at a young age and yeah. knew who he was meeting. And, and he said, I believe, but Lord help my my unbelief? Nope, that, that's not even right. Uh, that's what he said, but he didn't. I don't think he met Christ. I'm going to have to go back and reread. You guys can tell I'm a, I'm a little rusty. Yeah. Um, but uh, that just that verse stuck out to me. I believe, but help my unbelief. At, he had an admission of doubt there, uh, yeah. which I think is perfectly fine. And to, to question things, especially doctrine, right? Doctrine is a thing that's man-made. This is a thing that we came up with, usually years hundreds if not thousands of years later right we looked back at scripture and we said ah this is the way i'm reading that because of that i'm going to develop this belief around that and you got to believe that also if you want to come be a member of my little group here which is called the church right so i, I think it's really useful especially when we're looking at doctrine and we're looking at church culture to question and deconstruct those things so we can get down, boil down to the things that really matter. So, Brett, uh, what are some of the things you've deconstructed? If we're, you know, some beliefs that you've deconstructed. I've got, I've got a list. I'm so glad you asked because yeah. I wrote down a list. These are, and uh, you can ask more specifically. I don't know if we, want, how deep we want to get into these things. I haven't prepared a uh, a defense Statement. of my deconstruction of all of these, but uh, right, I have deconstructed the uh the belief, a belief in heaven that when okay. you die as a christian you go directly to heaven okay i have deconstructed the belief in hell at least in how we conceptualize it as a fiery pit with the guy with a tail and a pitchfork right, stabbing I mean, you I... in your privates <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean i think somebody's getting stabbed in their privates but it might not be hell um it just might be kanye west because he screwed up one of his contracts but <laughs> You know, when you say you don't believe in heaven, let me just ask this question. Do you believe that Christians are resurrected, the resurrected bodies, Christ returns, and we were with the creator? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think we discussed this before. Uh, Paul says the hope of the believer is in the resurrection. We discussed uh, it off air. So I just wanted to clarify because, yeah, yeah, because I didn't, yeah. Yeah, so he says the hope of the believer is in the resurrection. And that is that... There'll be a rising again. Uh, yeah. Who knows if it's a physical or a spiritual? There's debate about what the bot, what your bodies will look like. Hopefully, we're all yoked. Yes. Uh, but uh, there's really nothing in the Bible that says, as a believer, after you die, you just go right up to this other dimension in the clouds where you get to hang out with 
Jesus and sing songs. There's nothing that says that. There are things that allude to possibly rising again from the dead. Mm. Um, th there's that, which appears to be something that could happen. But okay. nothing that says we go to this, this other, other place where everything's awesome immediately. And then hell isn't a burning pit with Satan poking your dick with a it's trident. Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely not. There's no um, dick poking. Like, like he's like he's a yeah. Aquaman, but all in red, and everything's fire instead of water. Um, right. Uh, okay, but uh, do you believe that some Christ so Christians are aren't going, or um, there's some separation between believers and unbelievers uh, at that point, or what do you believe? Yeah, I, I'm that I'm uh, I'm not really sure on. Okay. There appears to be some type of uh, some type of separation. There's different points in scripture where that that appears to be present. I don't think it's what we imagine it to be. Yeah. Separation from God may just be that uh, if if you're a believer and you die, that's it. You just die. And maybe mm -hmm. those who are get to re who are resurrected get to go hang out with God. And if you weren't a believer, you just remain dead. And you're, that's I it. See. That's the end of you. Yeah, that's, because that would be eternal separation. From God, yeah. quite literally. Yeah, and I remember I made uh, just a side comment, and you know, an offhand remark about not believing in hell as as it is traditionally believed, and somebody called me and said, "You realize I did a bunch of peyote once out in the desert, and I absolutely went to hell, so I know it's real." I was like, "Okay, okay." So my position, <sighs> uh, well, when we recorded episode one, was fifty-one forty-nine. 51 mm -hmm. is just eternal separation from God, 49 mm -hmm. burning like a fire. Now it's 70, 30 in the other direction. It's flipped the other direction. The odds on this went way up because somebody did peyote and called me about it. So um, I'm 70, 30 on it. I'm saying you're 70, probably 30. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one. And honestly, I, I or, don't know. I, listen, I don't, I don't have strong opinions on it. And I don't and, know. And the 30% is you're just in a line at the DMV for eternity. That's Forever. It. Yeah. Yeah. You're that would like, actually be wayward. That would be one of the worst. I would uh, rather be poked yeah. in the dick by Satan than yeah. have to wait in line at the DMV forever. And then after 100 years, you finally get to the counter and they say, well, actually, you signed the document on the wrong line. So you have to go back to the end of the line, sign the document on the correct line and get back in line. And that's just hell forever. You just, uh, you know, when you get a, to the front of the line again, they got to take a lunch break. And you're <laughs> yep. They're, they, you know, because they only work from uh, 1 p.m. to 1.15 p.m. Right. They have union mandated breaks. All yeah. Day. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of them, heaven, hell, the doctrine of original sin. Okay. Uh, this, this idea that because some characters named Adam and Eve sinned, now all of humanity is just born into their residual sin somehow has always been wild to me, especially because... Uh, that story reads much more as an allegory than something that's actually has any spiritual um, legitimacy, literal spiritual legitimacy. Okay. Um, the doctrine that scripture is inerrant. I don't think a lot of Christians believe it's inerrant anymore. That's there's some pretty obvious errors right. and omissions in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but Generally, people believe the the Bible to be the infallible word of God. That's a little bit trickier. What does infallible mean? Uh, it's been defined to me as, well, it never fails you. Uh, okay. I'm not unhappy with that. I don't disagree with that one, but okay, continue. Tough to disagree, but I, I think that one's worth deconstructing as well. Anytime I hear a pastor say, this is the word of God. This is the infallible word of God I'm preaching to you out of. What they're right. really saying to me is my interpretation of what I just read, and I'm telling you, you have to follow, is the word of God. And if you disobey that, you are violating God. So I think we got to deconstruct that a little bit. That, I that's, think a good also, one. that's a great one to deconstruct is I've come to a place where I look at pastors as just spiritual advisors. They're really good. Like if you find the right guy, um, not a woman ever. Um, if you find the right guy, uh, they can be great at advising you on spiritual matters. Yeah. But if you look at them as doctrine and you say, Hey, these are the people that we have to, we are bound by a moral duty to um, spiritually um, whatever, follow these people you're going to end up in some weird places. And I think the people who 
have that belief are the ones who have promulgated this notion that deconstruction means they're just leaving the faith because in so many of their cases, that's the, that's what happens. Their concept of the Bible and, and the gospel and following Jesus was some other guy's vision. And this recently happened with one of the, um, Duggar sisters, mm. she's like, oh, wait, if she had been going to that conference that the Duggars, like, whatever it was, it doesn't matter, the Institute for Living Principles or whatever it is. And she goes, oh, I don't believe any of this anymore, so I'm leaving. Um, but she maintained being a Christian. It's like, so you just went from wacky town banana pants to yeah. wacky banana pants, and you're going to get here and just go, I think I just need pants. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. You're going to walk into some mega church in Arkansas and go, oh, like you're, you guys are also like, cause she like, you know, she got married. So she was allowed to wear makeup finally or whatever. Yeah. And then, so she left wacky town banana pants and now she's just going to have wacky pants and then it's going to go, oh, we don't need wacky pants. Like wacky pants are situational. They're enjoyable. You might lack like wacky pants, but your face might just be pants. That's all you need. And listen, you got to cover your the bottom half of your body. So you pants it. are good because of the original <laughs> sin, right? Uh, good, good. I, I think uh, you, you mentioned pastors too as being advisors. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to we need to look at pastors as, as advisors. Like um, there are financial advisors out there, right? Yeah. They try to give you advice on the market. But yeah. wisdom that we have over decades and decades says nobody can beat the market. Why are you going to pay this guy to tell you how to beat the market when we know you can't? Okay. Right. Maybe we need to start looking at pastors that way. We're there. We're tithing to them and giving them our money so that they can tell us how we can beat the market and get into heaven. Yeah. Nobody's getting in. Maybe it's not that everyone gets in, Danny. Maybe nobody's getting in. So why are we paying these guys to, to help us? Get in? No, I don't actually believe that. But yeah. what, what I'm saying is like nobody, nobody can fully and perfectly understand God. So why are we going to assume that this guy can? Correct. Correct. Or girl. Or girl. Yeah. Now, anywhere I'm going, uh, let's just um, jump into our our sponsor for today. Then yes, we're gonna we have a great sponsor. Yeah. This is an awesome sponsor. Haggard Healing Crystals. Now, yes. Haggard, uh, just a little preamble before we read the full ad here. Okay. Haggard Healing Crystals are not for consumption of any kind. Haggard Healing Crystals does not claim that it can heal you from unwanted feelings of same-sex attraction. So if you accidentally consume Haggard Healing Crystals by crushing them up and smoking them in the patent-pending Haggard Healing Crystals pipe and have such an uh, uh, occurrence, that's entirely by accident. Now, Haggard Healing Crystals don't really claim that they can heal you because by law they can't, but don't you think that's what they mean when they branded the company? Haggard I would Healing think Crystals. so, yeah. Um, Haggard Healing Crystals has an amazing sale. You can go to haggardhealingcrystals.com. You can get um, any healing crystal of your choice. You can use code CHURCH for 15% off. And when you use the code CHURCH, you get the Ted Agate for free with your order. Okay? Yeah, that's correct. And again, um, you are not supposed to consume these crystals. You're not Don't supposed to crush them up and smoke them. Right. No one is suggesting that you do that. That is a horror. No one thing. ever would. Um, again, that is haggardhealingcrystals.com. And of course, like I said, the Ted Agate comes free with your order, 15% off. And there is currently today, um, when this is launching for 24 hours, there is a special bundle, two healing crystals, the Ted Agate, and a pipe, which you should not use to crush up any of the healing crystals if you are having same gender attraction issues. Um, we would never suggest that you do that, but that is. I've got the one in my room, Danny, that you plug in the wall and the light goes on. Yes. And they, of course, have made no claims that it helps prevent any type of uh, same, same sex attraction. Correct. Um, but I. Uh, have you had I mean, any since you plugged it in? I can't say that I have. So yeah, we're not I'm saying not. that it does anything because the law prevents us from doing that because of the unconstitutional Democrats in the office. Because God personally wrote the Constitution, but that's neither here nor there. So, all right. Um, Haggard healing crystals because crystals are technology too. That's right. 
So we were talking about things that I personally have deconstructed. Uh, another one is the Soterian narrative of what the Bible. Is, what the heck is that? You Bible yeah. school graduate. Yeah, that's a word that my uh, my $30,000 of student loan debt paid for. Uh, the Soterian narrative is the idea that Christ comes purely to save us from our sins. Uh, I think that is not something that is entirely untrue. It's just maybe an incomplete uh, understanding of the overall narrative of the Bible and kind of completely leaves out the part about how most of the people following him around were Jewish and believed a, uh, uh, many, many different things than, than we do now. Uh, another one is the penal substitutionary theory of atonement. There's another Bible, Bible school word for you. It's the idea that because of original sin. Daddy God, naked, penal. Okay, continue. He made a good connection there. Uh, it's just the idea that we, we have wronged God, whether through original sin or our own personal sin. And because of that, we have to pay the price right? We should be uh, in court before a judge, and the mm. judge would be God. But instead, Jesus comes and fills the gap in mm. between us and God and takes the wrath of God for us. Uh, I think it leaves out just a lot of cultural understanding of who Jesus was and what he did when he was walking around in his ministry. Here's one I had to deconstruct just so I could get it in. Uh, sex before marriage being a sin. And uh that sex in marriage is only between a husband and a wife. Well, we know that second part is not true because in the Old Testament they had concubines um, and they had requirements where if you had a family member pass away, a man, the man passed away, his male relative was expected to come impregnate his, uh, his late wife. So there's all sorts of interesting things in the Bible that don't really match up with what we believe uh, in terms of sex and marriage today. Uh, modern ideas of sanctification. I've deconstructed the idea that, uh, well, you know, you're saved, but you're not quite perfect, uh, at least never in this lifetime, uh, not on this side of eternity. You've got to let God work on your heart. And I uh, it just not really, not doesn't really appear to be what the, uh, the writers of the Bible were talking about when they use the word sanctified, uh, and that there's this sort of a process and it's a human thing we have to do to get there. And then just the idea of messiahship and divinity. We've got a lot of ideas about who the messiah would have been or should have been that wouldn't have existed back when Jesus was around and the idea that he sh would have or should have been divine and what is divinity. These are all interesting things, Danny, that I've had to take a look at. And, oh, do you uh, believe Jesus was not the messiah? Um, no, no, kind of the other way around. Okay. I, I, I think that just... We don't understand that the the Jews didn't necessarily think the Messiah had to be divine. Oh, there okay. were other messiahs actually that came before Jesus where they were failed messiahs. There were people who the, the Jews at the time believed would lead them out of captivity. But didn't. Uh, and didn't. Yeah. Okay. So they weren't necessarily thinking uh, it was going to be a guy who was going to be all peaceful and stuff. Most of them thought it was going to involve violence and uh, revolution. Uh, just a, those are some some small things here. Some of these things I've looked at because they're kind those of are not small things. Those are just a quick recap of some things that, but not small. Some of them I've looked at because they're they're damaging. I think you got to be careful when you want to deconstruct, though. I think that uh, done for the wrong reasons, you could end up in a bad way. I think if there are things that you've been taught by your church or leadership or that you were raised with your parents, I had you believe, and those have been become harmful things to you, it may be worth deconstructing them. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, in some ways I think it can go too far. In some ways I don't. Uh, Paul you know, Tillich. Sorry. A, in the, in the red pill communities, um, that's a whole different, ball of wax that we'll get into in a different episode probably one maybe two weeks from now but um you know the the phrase for michael malice is take one red pill not the whole bottle and i think that applies yeah. to this because i think you know we'll get into my thoughts and my what i call my the box theology yes. um 
<clears throat> and uh, but um, if you if you take too many topics on to deconstruct at once, it gets much easier to rage quit. To go, yes. is, it really does because you go. This yeah. is too many things. There's because it seems it would appear there's too many idiosyncrat you know idiosyncrasies to rectify all of them feels insurmountable and you get to a place where you go i'm just tossing the whole thing out and if i toss the baby out with the bathwater, that's fine because i'm just a leftist and i'm pro-abortion now so we'll just toss everything out wow you just went quickly over there (laughs) yeah no that's i mean that's a joke but i do think people will because it just i don't think people have the the gut to we want we want to arrive at a place of satisfaction Right. And I think it's very unsatisfying to have all of the doors open when you just want one door open so you can know which one to walk through. But now all it's just so I, I you know, but you were saying Paul Tillich says Paul Tillich. Yeah, he's a theologian at uh, he actually says that deconstruction. Well, sorry. Nope. He says that atheism is the beginning of theology, not okay. the end. And right. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. You know, so you may end up at a point where you rage quit and we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. The way that I started to deconstruct was actually, I, I took the ideas of atheism. I said, what, what might it be like? What might it be like to live as an atheist? Yeah. If you believed in nothing, there is no higher power. There's no God. I'm not here for any particular reason. Uh, hmm. It's all random. It's chance. How would that affect my life? So I tried to go for a certain number of weeks or however long it was thinking in that way. I did that. Um, I did other things. I tried to examine like the reason for faith. I uh, watched a lot of debates of some of the, you know, the best atheist and Christian scholars out there. Right. I came to feel this is my personal belief that at least logic and reason could get us as far as theism. I'm pretty convinced by the arguments for God. I'm very convinced. I am convinced um, more so than the arguments against God. Correct. Some people, some people aren't, that's fine. Um, You know, yeah, I could be biased in the way that I was looking at it, but truly I felt I wasn't, I wanted the atheists to be right and to convince me that way I could just throw this whole thing away and do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to live by any set of morals or anything anymore. I could create my own. I I really really, wanted that. No, I really, me too. I mean, for me, it's the rebellious anarchist in me that didn't want the thing that my parents and grandparents said was true. I didn't want that to be right because then I could be the correct person. Um, And it just turns out that for various reasons, you know, my family, they're immigrants. I ended up being right about a lot of different stuff that they can quite grasp. Like, you know, universities are brainwashing people and so forth. And um, uh, at some point for me, just being fully honest, I just liked it. I just like it. And so the thing that kept me moving along, even though I wasn't necessarily um, the most deeply spiritual person, the thing that kept me on the team uh, despite I viewed it as the losing team in, in many regards, not anymore, but there was a period of time where I would have said that, mm-hmm. um, was that I just liked it. There was something about it that I go, that feels better than nothing. Um, and that, but later, the more I dug into things, I realized, oh no, this, the, the, the notion that this is all some grand cosmic coincidence it doesn't, for a lot of reasons, both scientifically and in terms of cosmology and other things, starts to, for me, starts not to carry any weight. I'm not a genius by any sense of the term, but the more and more I investigated, the more and more I realized, oh, okay, there's for sure something. And even Neil Brennan, a comedian, talked about how he was an atheist. He went to Catholic school and he was an atheist mm-hmm. even most of that time. And he he's like, no, I did a bunch of drugs once. And I was like, no, for sure. There's something. And um, yeah. if you had asked me a year or two ago, you know, where are you at? I would have said I'm 99.99. Right. And that every day that I'm alive is a gift. And it adds a nine at the end. It keeps just adding a nine. 
Mm-hmm. And then one time I just bought some 50 state legal gummies that helped me go to sleep. And I took one. I was there for that purchase, wasn't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you took, yeah, you, and um, I accidentally took more than one and it, <laughs> it knocked that nine over to 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I, but I'm being sincere, like, no, I'm not suggesting anybody consume anything at all. I'm just saying, especially for me, not haggard healing crystals. That's correct. Um, those are not for human consumption, but they are healing somehow. <laughs> no, but for me, uh, it was, I had what I would, I would refer to as a Pentecostal experience. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, throughout that experience, I was telling myself, don't deny what this is. Just let it ride, baby. Because there's a part of my brain that wants to go, now, this is just the stuff in your brain. But the other thing, too, is I was talking to our friend about this, and he's the one who put me onto a lot of this stuff. And he's like, you realize your brain has cannabinoid receptors, right? God, in his infinite wisdom, created you with cannabinoid receptors. Uh-huh. And then these dick bags at your church are like, don't consume that. It's like, but why did God put the receptor in there? Okay. He didn't put a Jim Bean receptor in there. He didn't put a Jack Daniels receptor in there. Certainly didn't put a tequila receptor in there. I put enough tequila inside to figure out if there's a receptor or not. It ain't yeah. in there. It's right? not there. But there is a cannabinoid receptor. So I was like, you know, everyone's hooked on pain pills and fentanyl. Maybe he had other plans for us, you know? Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, that, that's uh, it's interesting you and, there's, uh, that, there's, that experience there's there's speculation in fact that in the early church when they were passing up communion it was the shrooms bro there are people who are like this is for sure the shrooms and that you know some people suggest that you know the the you know the day of pentecost shrooms of life have, given for you take and eat <laughs> yeah i mean that's you probably don't want to do too many and go to a you know an acdc concert at the red rocks in colorado but you know, but I'm not, I'm not suggesting anybody consume anything. And I'm not saying that it's, I'm some Christian who's like, no, you should consume LSD. It's what God wants you to do. I'm just saying that I simply, and I mean this sincerely consumed it because I have back pain and in 30 in my mid thirties, like stuff starts to hurt and uh, you know, like Tylenol and Advil and all that stuff is bad for your liver. It's not working. Yeah. Well, it works, but it's bad for your liver. You can only yeah. consume it sparingly. Right. So, um, I just took some of the stuff for a headache and I was trying to go to sleep and then took one more. Cause I was like, I really want to go to sleep. And uh, Jesus came to visit me. <laughs> so um, it took that nine and it flipped it into a one-on-one for me. All but, right. Um, so yeah. So uh, you were continuing, you were saying. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I was just talking about how I, I think reason can get us uh, maybe as far as theism yeah. For some people, it still ends up being atheism, and uh, I, I respect their their decision. I think uh, what I've come to find with through deconstruction is that reason can only get us so far. I, I mean, I think mm. at some point, you know, maybe you can get to theism. You can get to there's an intelligent designer of this universe. Uh, when you make the leap to well, that God is Jesus, who is also part of a trinity who is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then this uh, mystical Holy Spirit, I think that's a whole entire other thing, and I think that's mm. going to require faith. I mean, I guess right. at some point, you're going to have to have faith, and I'm not sure that you can deconstruct faith, right? Because it, it's not anything that's... Ro- it's not rooted in absolutes. I mean, we, we try to make it rooted in absolutes because that makes us feel better. We right. want to know. We want to have hope. We don't want to know we're going somewhere when we die. Uh, we want to have answers. Um, but it takes faith to arrive at some of these conclusions. And I think deconstruction is is good to take away the silly and uh, the idiosyncrasies, as you uh, always say. But I think it's only going to give it, get us so far at some point. You're going to have to decide if you want to have faith or not. Yeah, and I would say that... <clears throat> um... Having faith for me is, um, and I hate when when you hear um, 
Faith is a belief in the things that are yet unseen. No, but I hear when I hear apologists say this, it is a cliche that we'll have to use as it, but it's like, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does a Christian. Oh, but yeah. on some level, um, it's, it's a faith in the intelligence of other people, of people who are smarter than you, supposedly. Right. And I was talking, I have an individual in my family who is a theologian and perhaps, and I'm not, you know, probably one of the smartest people I know. And probably, and academically speaking, probably up there in terms of overall intelligence and like competitive with a lot of really, really intelligent people. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to that person, I was at their house and I said, you know, just to me, it's, it's too, it's, I'm not, this is not in a the context of Christianity per se, but I'm just saying the, the answer of evolution in the macro sense to me is, is in the micro sense, I, I would agree with it, but in the macro I, it's too far of a leap. It's here are, here's a junkyard with all of the parts for 737. And here comes a tornado and it's going to zap that, that 737 into a position where we can fly the plane. And he goes, no, no, it's further than that. He said, you know, I have a, I have a degree in microbiology. He said, it's, there is a field with wheat and cows and the, and, and a lightning strike zaps it into a cheeseburger. And I go, that's like, he's like, that's the, the macro evolution argument is at that scale. Sure. So for me, that is that cliche ends up being true in this scenario, where if you truly understand it, that whole like weeding about from monkeys thing is like, that's, that's a silly argument to me. Um, but the argument that is being made there, which is, it is, it's a leap. And that, that leap requires a certain amount of faith, not necessarily in the science, but in that the guy, the professor who's explaining it to you for $80,000 a year is um, they understand the concept that they understand it. So you should just believe because they believe. And it's just a fact because they say it is. Listen, I, that's a that is a You know, we didn't discuss this in one of the episodes where I meant to. But that is a critical that is a you know deconstruction. And you know, like this is a, it's a, it's a critical theory response where we should say. I think we can deconstruct that belief as non-factual because you, the evidence is circular for it. Sure. The evidence ends up being circular. Um, and listen, listen, I, I have practiced what I call in, when we were planting that church in Austin, I, I got, I got a, I got a talking to for saying this at our Bible for, study. For your box theology. Yeah. I call it the box, not to be, not to be confused with Roddy Rich's the box. Um, <laughs> Which there is a version, the it's it, yeah, the Indian box is it's just so much funnier. But I've been in a stage or I've been in a I've been deconstructing before people with skinny jeans ever did it. Oh, you're the original hipster, huh? Okay. I'm the soldier boy of deconstruction. I did it all before you did. Uh, I did it first. No, but what I when I call it the box, it, it simply means if something in the Bible, if a doctrine or a theology doesn't fit the, the constraints of my understanding, I'm not, I'm, I'm just tossing it out for the moment. I'm not tossing it out. I'm tossing it out for the moment because it doesn't fit in the box of my understanding. And I simply say, if something- Just setting it aside and leaving it on the dresser, not yeah. lighting it on fire. Correct. And that has been for me, and it, listen, it may seem immature to a lot of people to- to approach faith and the gospel and the scriptures that way. But for me, it has been a mechanism for me to have faith that grows in a, in a healthy way without yearning for answers that I cannot fathom or apply. And it keeps me from throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And over time, that mechanism, that procedure has has helped me become a person full of faith that I would say is so fulfilling in a way that makes me feel weird in a way that makes me feel like, I don't know if you ever have known people like this. I certainly have where you go, this person has so much faith and they're not faking it. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're so positive. Now I know someone, I think I, you'll know who I'm talking about who's positive And I think they're faking it because right. And I think the other end of them is going to be so much darkness. It's going to be sad for us to watch, but they just have to get there Hopefully to that not. natural. 
Uh, hopefully not. I really don't want that for that person. But I'm just saying, I think that's going to be the conclusion of that. Not conclusion. I think that's just going to get to a, a, a sad place. But um, <clears throat> it, it, I've seen you. I've seen you get a lot of uh, flack for your box theology, for your take this. It doesn't belong. It doesn't make sense. We're going to set it aside. Right. Uh, I think what you hear, what people have said as well, you can't just pick and choose from parts of the Bible, right? Yes, and you I think can. That's, that's <laughs> right. Well, and that's where I go back to. They, those are people who believe in the doctrine that scripture is the word of God and is therefore infallible. And what they're saying, well, they, don't, they don't understand what scripture is. Because I just want to address that right now, because I, yeah. I, I think you can pick and choose. And the reason you can is because scripture is a compilation of different types of writing written by different people to other different people and situations that's all highly contextual. You know, some of it's allegories, some of it's poems, some right. of it's an actual narrative, some of it's a retelling. Uh, some of it is oral stories that were told from guy to guy to guy until they were written down. Right. So right. I think it's valid to pick and choose pieces when you understand it's different pieces of scripture and, and there's different, not... different pieces of literature all put together, put together right. also later, years and years later by a group of people who weren't there when it happened. Right. And I, while I don't agree with Brett's assessment on the infallibility <laughs> of scripture, um, I, I mean, I hold competing views on it. And I simply say, when I say you can pick and choose, what I mean by that is um, every mainline, I, I don't mean Orthodox in the um, denominational sense. I mean, Orthodox in the traditional belief sense, mm-hmm. every mainline or Orthodox preacher, minister, apologist, theologian, they're all picking it apart and saying it doesn't like when a Calvinist says that mm-hmm. to the Arminian, well, your view isn't they're picking and choosing. Right, when are. the Arminian says to the Calvinist, yes, we're predestined, but that doesn't mean it, it doesn't draw this. They're not drawing the same conclusion. Those are competing visions of what the same scripture means. And in one way, shape or form or another, you are picking and choosing. Um, and uh, listen, uh, we, we talked about this in episode three, our political episode, where I said I, I referred to Romans 13 as the Republican verse. Mm-hmm. Right. And they pick and choose how they apply that. And right. just because they're being hypocritical doesn't mean that it empowers us to be hypocritical. I simply mean the way we're going to relate to this material inevitably concludes that we're going to pick and choose um, answers or conclusions from the from the documents, from the from the word of God that exclude other conclusions. And that is picking and choosing. And my view is that the truth remain, the truth of God remains consistent. Whether or not I want to ex, uh, accept it or apply it, it just means yeah. that um, I, I think that sometimes my capacity to understand it or believe it or apply it as a person of faith, it takes spiritual maturity. And so deconstruction, in my view... Um, while it gets this, while it gets the branding, the modern branding of deconstruction, like um, Matt Matt Chandler was like, oh, it just means you're throwing the whole thing out. It's like if you've known the saving grace of Jesus, you would never deconstruct. And I'm saying I'm not deconstructing Jesus or faith or God or His providence in my life. I could never do that. I could never deny God's power working in my life. But I can say that. Um, if you think you accidentally saw some girl's nipple and now you're going to hell, maybe we should deconstruct that. Right. Maybe it was a gift. Yeah. Right? No, no. Um, a gift, just like those cannabinoid receptors. Right. And, and, and I'll say this also, I had this experience in life where I took a hardline stance on a theological position against Calvinism or predestination or uh, and so one of our friends who messaged us about our podcast was like, no, no, it's, it's not Calvinism. It's the doctrine of grace. It's like, bro, who cares? This, who cares about what you call it? I mean, yeah. I, when, when people get that specific about the, the, what you call their doctrine, like I know somebody, if I call his theology a theology and not a doctrine, he's like, it's not a, it's not a theology. Theology is just a, and then he gives me the, reads me the riot act. Okay. And I just recite it to him 
the the great uh, from Pastor Ben Shapiro, the great line. <laughs> facts don't care about your feelings, and I don't like it. You're they are putting their feelings of <clears throat> we have to call this a doctrine because mm-hmm. if we don't call it a doctrine, all of a sudden if it's a theology, this becomes optional. And it becomes a, there's competitive ideas and that hurts my feelings. And that steals a piece of my joy because the thing that I, I really, because you've invested, not you're, you've not invested yourself in Jesus. You've invested yourself in a side quest. You're not playing the game, bro. You're not in the game. You're in a side quest and you're talking about the side quest like it's the game. And I, this happened to me in a situation where a friend is, was a hardline Calvinist and I kind of mocked him in a way that I thought wasn't that was unloving at the time. My mm-hmm. my heart wasn't in the right place. Now I'll mock, mock a Calvinist today, basically with the same material. I mean, like you should yeah. kick him the dick and see what God really thinks, but or why God wanted that for you. But I, I I still look at them and go, I get why you think that. You've had a hard life and you want there to be a something that is impermeable and impenetrable, and believing that all of this is you know, preordained and predestined Mm -hmm. gives you that sense of peace. And I'm not saying that all roads lead to God. I'm not a universalist, but I'm saying if that's how you relate to the content, if that's how you relate to the material and that gives you peace, that's God working in your life, go for it. Right. And at some point I thought, you know, I should call this guy up and I should talk to him. And I I just want to sit him down, take him out to coffee, say, I love you, bro. I'm sorry that I took that. I did that. That was immature of me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I had that thought, never did anything about it. And two weeks later he was gone. Mm. Um, and it's one of the sincerest regrets of my life that I, not that it would have changed anything that, that, not that I would know of, but, um, it, it, it moved, it, it changed my heart to go, maybe I don't need to be so, I, I, I don't need to, I'll use this example. Often I say faith is like a Chinese finger trap. You can't yank too hard at this thing. Okay, because if you yank too hard, you either get stuck or it unravels. There's only two options. You kind of have to go at it with a more relaxed posture that's a little more taking it easy, man. Um, It's a little more tie-dye and Volkswagen bus, and I hate that, but I just think that ends up being true. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear uh, that your friend passed, but... um, He took his life, and then, you know... Yeah. And I just, I never got to... It's not somebody that you know, and that ha- it happened before I even met you. But yeah, it's one of those things that I went, I I can't be the same guy after that. And it's not that we were like close friends, and we abandoned. I abandoned him because of that. I'm just saying we nominally we knew each other nominally. We're hanging out at our buddy's pool house, and he said he had just become a Calvinist. And it's for a lot of Calvinists, the way I hear them describe it, it's like their second salvation. <laughs> Was he and, a Calvinist when he when he took his life? Do you know if he? I mean, I, I, the implications of that are interesting. I have. You're kind of taking that moment in your own hands. Yeah, and I don't know. I had not had contact with him for two or three years at that point, and I didn't know. And I, it, you know, I was actually confronted by a different friend who had who was unrelated to that person didn't know that person. And shortly after she gave me a strong talking to about how I talked about gay people. Now, do I still talk about gay people that way? Yeah. Am I joking <laughs> now though? Yes. But it's not, it's not something that I, I just, cause she's like, you tell me lying. Is it your lifestyle? And I go, Oh crap. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know? But yeah. Um, and that's what for me changed my me from having that and, and and in a lot of ways set me on this path of like okay like one at a time i'm going to pull the belief off the shelf i'm going to examine it and say do i believe this or not and if i start examining it and i go oh this is going to take more time than i'm ready to dedicate to this specific belief I just put it I just take it out of the box put it back on the shelf get to it later um I, listen i think authentic faith is not chasing a contrived definition of sanctification, but um, I understand that I need Jesus and this life leaves us with imperfect choices sometimes. And sometimes we have to make trade-offs and we have to ask ourselves questions like, you know, it's not about what's spiritually worse. And it's not this game of hierarchy, 
But what has less earthly negative consequences? And sometimes in the process of deconstruction, I start going, well, listen, this individual is going to get hooked on fentanyl. And um, because it's prescribed by a doctor, their churches, that's fine. Right. But it's, it's, they're going to run out of their prescription. They're going to get hooked. And now they're strung out on heroin on the streets. Mm-hmm. Or they're casually using cannabis that's illegal. I'm going to go with, let's break the law. Let's let this individual use illegal cannabis. Yeah. Because the, the other option is so much worse. You know? And yeah, they're going to have to drive for Uber Eats and DoorDash because they can't pass a whiz quiz. But it's we we've we have to pick the lesser. Um, and let me just also add, like I think guys like Ted Haggard and Josh Duggar, if maybe their youth was not so rigid and that their faith and and their and Christianity to them wasn't this rigid endeavor, maybe they wouldn't have spiraled out and their lives wouldn't have turned into these spiritual wrecking balls that wrecked their families. Like we're going to get into the Josh Duggar story later and it's kind of gross and I kind of don't even want to talk about it, but Uh like, listen, if maybe your parents weren't such wackos and you got to feel up some girl at youth camp, right. In the woods somewhere, maybe you would have been such a creep to the people in your own family. Right. Maybe if, if Ted Haggard had gone out there and was touching some peepees when he was younger, he might, he might have just been like, oh, I'm just going to be an interior designer and, uh, you know, have a polyamorous marriage. I'm still going to love Jesus and it's going to be weird and I'm going to go to some weird church that has a weird flag out in, outside in front of it and that does a, you know, drag queen story hour. But that would be, while that is suboptimal in the context of God's greatest plan for that person, I think that is far more optimal than the, the spiritual wrecking ball that ended up being some of these people's lives. And uh, a process of deconstruction that helps us arrive at a softer, gentler place as people um, might be beneficial for avoiding those kinds of pitfalls that are way, way more consequential to the people in their lives, believing in God and believing and putting their faith in Jesus than saying maybe there isn't a hell. Do you see what I'm saying? Like we Mm. don't have perfect options. So sometimes we have to make trade-offs and go, uh, if, and this is like with that church that we planted, there was people who are like, well, the only reason we started coming here was because it was ethnically and racially diverse and culturally diverse. I think that's gross. And I think you're stupid, but you heard the gospel. You got married. You started doing Christian stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, we don't we don't have perfect options, um, and we're we're fortunate enough to be in a position where we can consider and discuss these things. Um, I had a conversation with some friends last night. They said, you know, not not everyone can sit down or will even sit down and to discuss what we think is moral, what we think is right, what we think is true about God. Um, so it's it's kind of a conversation where I, where I think about deconstruction. I'm not even sure how much it matters um, after that whole, after we just did this whole episode. Um, and here's, here's why <laughs> I'm not sure everyone has the, uh, the, the background, the educational background, mm. the training, the mindset to even consider these things or the, right. the time, right? There are guys out there working three jobs to provide for their families. They're not sitting around talking about this shit. They don't even care. Yeah. Um, and then also I'm reminded of a moment I had where I was, I was a, uh, in church and praying and kind of feeling guilty about my, my deconstructing and my negative attitude towards the church. And I, uh, I don't ever, I'm not that guy who's like, God spoke to me, but I had a thought. I had mm. a thought that God was, maybe it was but God the, telling me. The Holy just, Spirit put it in there. Okay. The Holy Spirit incepted me. And I thought <laughs> I can't like, I can't really deconstruct God. I can yeah. deconstruct the things I believe about God or been taught about God. But if God really is this infinite being uh, or maybe just a finite being who's so much larger than me that he may as well be infinite. Yeah. Um, one may matter more than the other. I'm not going to get into that. But if God's an infinite being or so so large and uh, unfathomable, how can I really deconstruct God? And it makes me think of um, Job, the book of Job, specifically Job 38. The mm. whole book of Job, 
Job's having a really bad time. His friends are coming and tr trying to explain why God's doing the thing he is. God finally speaks up in chapter 38. He says, uh, the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Um, and he proceeds to ask all these questions that are rhetorical questions, almost in a mocking way, saying yeah. like, you don't understand this. You didn't create the clouds. You didn't right. make a Leviathan. You don't know what's going on over here. Where does lightning come from? Explain that to me if you're so smart. He literally yeah. says this shit. And right. I, I'm thinking like, okay, so we can try to deconstruct God. But in the end, it's like, I don't know if it matters that much. I don't know that right. we really can. No, it's not going to phase him. How's it going to affect them? Right. Fair enough. Do you have anything more? Should we? That's all. That that's all I had in the, in that part. Is just I, uh, you know, I think it's beneficial if deconstructing helps remove things that are unhealthy or lead to us getting in these scandals that we talk about. Right. It's a valuable thing. Um, but yeah. How can we deconstruct God in a uh, metaphysical sense? I don't Probably think that's can. possible. <clears throat> but hey, this is a podcast called Churches Canceled. And right. so I think the thing that we are deconstructing isn't necessarily faith or the Bible. It's right. the um, rainbow flag of church culture. And I don't mean that. I mean that in the without using that word. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we're deconstructing. People are deconstructing their Republican parents. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're not deconstructing. The conflation is that they're getting rid of, they are throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and they are, mm -hmm. but the conflation is that they're deconstructing the Bible or faith. No, they're deconstructing their Republican family, their Republican parents. And, but this is, they're deconstructing the culture of church, which right. is the whole point of this podcast is church is canceled is we are here to <clears throat> point, point out and make fun of the, the parts of, you know, I have this one quick thing. I'm going to try and say it. We're, I think we're going to wrap up here. Mm -hmm. You know, um, white people didn't really exist until you're until the boomers. Before that, you were Irish, Italian, or whatever. You were okay. Swedish, or but at some point, this just became a conglomeration of well, we're just white. We're just white mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And so their only cultural context and their only touch point became evangelical church. Uh, because otherwise you have like Indian, Indian, Asian people, we all have our traditions, but at some point, a few generations removed from an Italian, except if you're on the East coast, like if you're on the East coast, you could be like three quarters Puerto Rican and then a quarter Italian. And you're walking around like, Hey, what are you talking to me for like that? Eh? But removed from that culture, church became the thing church, yeah. evangelical mega churches became the culture. And that culture fused itself. It, and as I often say, culture, people try to take their culture and shove it up the gospel's keister. Mm -hmm. And that's all that happened. And if you can deconstruct that, good. Yeah. Right? I think that's important. But I, I don't think the majority of people who are walking away from the faith are deconstructing in some shape or form. They're not doing, they're not getting rid of the Bible, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Well, Brett, we got to run. I just want to let you know you're canceled. Danny, you're also canceled. Thank you. I appreciated that. <laughs>